Welcome back to another episode of Doom to Bloom podcast. Today we have a special guest, Brittany, who is going to talk to us about her experiences with mental health, specifically anxiety and kind of her journey along the way of what anxiety looked like for her at different stages and how she is able to manage it now. Hi, Brittany. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being a guest. I really appreciate it. I was actually looking at kind of a queue in the Google form and you are one of like, so right now I have 170 sitting in the queue. You were my top like 50 oh my first God. <laughs> people. So I really appreciate you. You've kind of been along for the journey for quite a while. I would consider you an OG almost. <laughs> <laughs> and just before we get started, Brittany, I always like to ask where my guest is. Yeah. Um, guesting from, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm in New York State. So I'm in Westchester County. So not terribly far from you I don't think <laughs> honestly I'm so bad with geography that I don't even know where that is so I'm, I'm gonna take your word for it <laughs> and I kind of alluded to the fact that you're gonna talk to us about anxiety as it relates to kind of your mental health and different stages of life so we are ready to hear your story when you're ready to share yeah. So, um, anxiety for me actually started manifesting when I was really little and it popped up in like the funniest way. Um, I probably was under 10 years old, maybe like seven or eight. And my parents would like go out to dinner and I all of a sudden I'd get this like nagging and nervous sensation, like, Oh my God, like they're not going to come home. And I remember having my babysitter have to like call the restaurants and I need to talk to them. Cause I was so scared, like something would happen to them. And it was so, it almost felt so bizarre because there was not an instance, there was nothing that had happened that like would have predicated me to like have this fear. Um, but it just like, it was, it was like this gnawing sensation that I was so worried that like the spiraling thoughts of like something bad is going to happen to them unless I hear their voice. Um, and then it, it kind of continued. Um, it kind of popped up a lot for me when I was like, I'd say in middle school. So in middle school, um, as like most girls, at that age, we would have sleepovers. That's like the best thing. And the hardest thing for me was if I wasn't the first one to fall asleep. So I would start to panic and freak out and be like, oh my God, if I don't fall asleep, then I'm going to get sick. And then it became this cycle of, oh my God, if I get sick, then I'm not going to be able to sleep. And for whatever reason, this like spiraling thought would just kept going through my brain until I'd have to like call my parents, come pick me up at like, even like midnight, which is such a weird, it's a hard thing to deal with when you're a middle schooler. Um, and it's just, this bizarre feeling of like, like not being able to relax and just like always assuming that if you don't know something um, like the worst is happening instead of just like a neutral thing, not like, Oh, I just can't sleep. It doesn't matter if it, instead of being like, I can't sleep. And that's like, means like the worst thing ever, which is means I'm going to get sick, which is the worst thing ever. It just keeps like spiraling on top of each other. Um, and those were kind of like the early ones. And it took like, took a long time. Um, I started going to therapy about it when I was probably, I was, I want to say like, maybe like I went to like a childhood um, therapist. I think I was like 11 or maybe like 11 years old. And I remember if anyone out there who has been to like a child psychologist office, you know, you could the stand table and you have like the toys and you try to like move things around to kind of pinpoint like what's um, kind of what's going on in our subconscious uh, brain. And then it didn't help too much early on. And I always kind of like, I go to therapy. I would try it. It like didn't really help that much. Um, but then I learned when I was, I think when I finally, when I was in college, um, I finally found a therapist where we like clicked and I was like, Oh my God. I was like, this is so helpful. Like they're hearing me, they're hearing my concerns and they're not making me feel crappy about it. 
Um, Cause anxiety, I think, especially I grew up in like the nineties, like I was born in like the late eighties. Um, it just wasn't as talked about as the way mental health is now. And especially for kids, I think. Um, and I remember I used to, my gut thing was like, I used to cry a lot. Um, if I got upset, if I was like nervous and hearing the term like overreacting. And so I remember the anxiety popped up at once. I was visiting family in another state and my parents went out to dinner. And again, I probably was around like maybe a lot, like 10 or 11 years old. And my aunt would not let me um, call my parents. And I remember being so upset. And I was like, you don't understand. I have to be able to talk to them. And she's like, no, you don't. Like they like, we'll be okay. Like they deserve to have like a night out. Like you have to stay here tonight. And I remember like, it was it, like, there was not that understanding. Like she couldn't grasp the concept that like I was an anxious kid. And like, this is something I'd worked out with my parents to help me manage it. And it was, it was like that sense of like, sh like that's where I feel like kind of like the sense of shame and anxiety can kind of go hand in hand a little bit, especially at a younger age, if not everybody's on board understanding like what you're going through. Um, so it was kind of like, like it weaved in the first time I started taking medication for it. I was 13. Um, my pe my pediatrician, uh, like shifted gears and he started working, I guess, like I don't know if he was technically a psychiatrist, but in that kind of pharmacological pharmacology. And he was like, you know, you deal with an anxious thoughts and things like that. There might be something you can take that could be helpful for you. And I was like, what? And so I remember like taking this, taking this like written test. And then he was like, okay, um, you answer these questions. It means that you, um, you might deal with anxiety, which means you have low serotonin levels and it's like not your fault. And it was like the biggest like weight of relief being like, oh, it's like something in my brain is just like wired instead of it being like, I'm just overreacting or I just can't handle things that I've heard before. Um, and so and how old were you at this point? I think I was you finally, I think I was 12. Okay. I was going into eighth grade and I remember it, it was huge. So I went on this medication and and the big thing was I was able to go on like a trip, like with my friend and her dad, like away for like from my family for like a week. And it was like, I all of a sudden I could like sleep over at friends' houses and all that. And I was like, this is so cool. It's great. My mind feels better. Um, but then something that like, I don't know, I was on it for a little while. I was, I was like, you know, I feel great. I don't want to take medication anymore. Um, and so I started tapering off of it. And if anyone out there knows with anxiety or any medication, any type of medication you take where you're like messing with like your brain chemistry, be very careful when you're like going off of it. And I remember in my tapering off process, I accidentally like missed a dose because I was 13 and I got this horrific headache and I was like, oh, this is scary. I was like, I don't want to take medication anymore. I'm okay. I can just like deal with this. Um, and so then I started relying more on therapy as I progressed. Like it, it was kind of intermittent for a long time. So I was like 13. I didn't do anything for a couple of years. Um, my parents got separated when I was 16. I went back to another therapist and it was just kind of like this back and therapy kind of like weaved in and out of my life. But until, like I said, when I was like in college and I found someone I could really talk to, it wasn't making like real headway. Um, and the thing that I found astounding to me too, is that like the medication did help me a little bit, but there are other times that it didn't. So for example, um, when I was 19, I saw a, a therapist when I was in college um, and she, she like put me, she's like, well, you can be on Zoloft. And I was like, okay. And she's like, you know, you're just having a hard time. Um, and I think a lot of the time, especially again, like early 2000s, like um, there was a huge overlap between like depression and anxiety in terms of like treatment, um, especially with medication. 
And so I think Zoloft is like an antidepressant and like, I'm not, I didn't really deal with depression, but it kind of, I guess there's so much overlap there that they put me on it and did nothing. And I was like, well, I'm like, that's it. I was like, so I was like, medication like doesn't do anything for me. Um, and I was great. I'm like, I know it helps a lot of, I was like, I know it helps a lot of people, but for me, I was like, it doesn't work. And so bounced around, found a different therapist that like did listen to me. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I'm making headways. I'm getting tools to like manage this better. And I don't need the meds. So for me, it was just the anxiety is always like weave in and out those thoughts, like the spiraling, like the worst is going to happen. Um, but when I found a good therapist, I could kind of figure out like kind of like how like have tools under my belt to kind of manage it a bit better. And so what were some of those tools that the therapist that you actually connected with taught you? Yeah. So one big thing um, is the, just to remember that whatever emotion you're feeling is fine and it won't last forever. So like, it's okay. If I'm like, if I'm crying, so I'm upset, like, it's okay to know, like, I'm, I'm upset right now, but like, I'll be fine in two hours or whatever it is, an hour or like, and just to know that you're going to come back to normal. So it's okay to let me express that um, without this like nagging or anybody telling me like, oh, like it's like, you're fine, actually. Like you don't need to cry. You don't need to be upset, which I, that would be my one piece of advice I would say to anyone, if you're dealing with an anxious person, telling them they have no need to be upset or telling them like, they, they, like that everything is fine. We know like in our brains, like, in reality, we know, but emotionally, like we can't get there. So telling us everything is fine, like doesn't help us get there faster. The best thing I would say to do is to talk, like to ask that person, like, what do you need? And sometimes like, I'll tell my husband, I'm like, I just need you to like, not ask me anything. And like, just give me a hug. And like, he'll give me a hug and just like that compression. And it's like, it helps stabilize like the spiral or like the intense emotional feelings. I think when you say that, I think when you say that, you know, the whole calm down, you don't need to cry, like everything's fine, you're fine kind of thing. I hear that so often, even for myself who also has anxiety. Yeah. But just, just kind of, it's such a common response, I feel like, to somebody with anxiety. But for me personally, I feel like that just kind of ramps up my anxiety even more. Oh, because yeah. Because people are saying you're fine. Everything's fine. Why are you upset? Why are you feeling this way? And then in my head, I'm like, well, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. So something must be wrong. And then it just kind of heightens everything. Right. Yes. And it's like, that's the thing too, that I think was such a big, um, I started doing EMDR therapy, which if you don't know what that is, it's called like, it's like eye movement dissociation. And you're like, it involves like tapping. And so like, you'll basically go through like old memories and you go through this tapping, like this, like tapping on alternate sides of your body. So for example, like tapping your right shoulder, then your left and you go back and forth and you work with a therapist and you like, they help you go through these. And it's like, I learned, it was like, for whatever reason, I never learned how also to be angry. I didn't know anger was an okay emotion. I thought, and I thought sadness was a bad emotion. And it was like all these little things that we don't, People don't realize but you're, when you're saying that to somebody, like when you're condemning them by saying you're overreacting or you don't need to feel that way, it just makes it such, it's a, it like makes the situation so much worse for them, unfortunately. Um, and the best thing you can do sometimes is step away and just be like, what do you need? And like, if they might say, just like, leave me the hell alone. And that's like, okay, I'll talk, I'll come back to you in half an hour. And you'd be, I was amazed the first time I did that to my husband, I was like, I just need 20 minutes. And he didn't talk. He went to the other room. And then after 20 minutes, I like 
I was upset, but I like felt calm. And he's like, wow, that worked. I'm like, yeah, I guess we just have to like allow our brains or allow our bodies to express whatever that built up emotion is. And then once it gets released, it's like, okay, I can come back to normal now. (laughs) What were some of the other techniques that the therapist taught you? I mean, I feel like that's a really big one, but were there any other ones that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, breathing is important if you can get there. I know sometimes if you're in a spat anxiety spiral, you can't, but like, you know, like the box breathing where you like inhale for one or inhale for three, hold for four seconds and then exhale for five. If you can get yourself to like do the breathing, I think that's really helpful. Um, I found for me, like, like changing my environment. So like if I, for example, I'm like stressed out with my toddler, like running around the house and she, I'm like, okay, like we have to get outside and it's being in the fresh air is like the most grounding thing. And I don't know how, what it is, the science behind it, but helps regulate the emotions or whatever it is. And being outside just, I find is so helpful. Um, and just, yeah, like it gets you, I guess, it's like changing that environment so you can get out of your head for a minute and focus on something else. I feel like I've heard also a lot of the breathing techniques that are, I guess there's scientific evidence behind for the benefits and effectiveness, but I feel like I've never been able to actually yeah, successfully use them. <laughs> I know. I feel like it depends how I, you have to be able to catch your, your anxious, like ramp up very early in order to like use it effect like except like use it effectively i feel like if i'm catching and i'm at a seven already like breathing's not gonna do shit like it's not gonna help me get there. exactly like, and i i feel like i can go from like zero to ten within like yes a minute 30 seconds you know so and, no and it's funny the one thing i've realized that helps me well there's two things but one um i've noticed my whole life is the splashing water in my face um and I don't know if it's a water sign or what it is about it, but literally um, if I'm like really, really upset, I'll be like, I'll go to the bathroom and I will put like a cold washcloth and like splash the water. And like the, like if I'm at like a hysterical crying, it like brings it way down. Um, so, I mean, this, I think there's a lot of science behind, I think taking like, like a cold shower, even if it's like, it's something like at the end of your shower, you like turn it down to cold for like 10 seconds. It like shocks your nervous system to like activate like, the vagus nerve and all that. Um, but yeah, like literally I will splash water on my face and it's funny. I'm, I realized this as an adult and then I went back and I mentioned it to my mom and she's like, yeah, you would do this thing when you were little. So I'm like, just get me with some water slash some water. I was like, man. So even as a kid, apparently I knew water was calming. I didn't know why. <laughs> That's interesting though. Cause it's, it was almost like you're, you brought the techniques and strategies that you knew worked in childhood up until adulthood yeah yeah without even consciously knowing that that's what you were doing I know it's so funny I met you guys I mentioned it to like my current therapist now I've been working with for at least six years um and like I said like I think that's very typical for like anyone with any mental illness whether it's anxiety depression whatever if you don't find the right therapist that you're working with it's like you're not going to feel motivated to do the work. And if you don't do the work, like nothing is going to change. And it's a long road. Like, you know, it's not like a light bulb every session. Um, but the, the reason uh, I went back to my therapy I'm with, I'm with now for the last six years, I started going because I knew I wanted to be a mom. And I was like, something that was really big for me was like, I want to get a handle on this before I have kids. Cause obviously like having kids is like stressful and anxiety provoking as like on its own without already having like a mental, um, anxiety diagnosis 
And so I went in there like with this, like I have to like get a handle on this so like I can be a good mom and I want to like set it up. So like, I want my, it was like, I wanted my kids to know, like they, I, like they can express every, like they can be sad. They can be angry. Like I want them to like have a good relationship with emotions. Cause I think I've learned like, that's like the foundation for so much. And if you've someone who's been a therapist and you have all these moments, you're like, oh shit. Like that was like a core belief because I ingrained it like 10 times with somebody telling me you're overreacting. So then I ingrained when I cried overreacting, I want to go hide in the bathroom instead of just being like, oh, let me ask some, you know, I like, I'm sad. I need help. And like asking your partner or your friend or whatever for help. Um, so it was he, like, so finding that, like I was on the mission, I finally found somebody that I work well with. She understands me. She asked me the right questions. Um, and so I would say, if you are somebody dealing with, like I said, like anxiety, whatever, if you haven't found a therapist, you feel you can actually talk to, like find somebody else. Cause there is somebody out there, but you have to kind of like, play a little like spot, like a game to find them so you can be successful, you know? I was trying to explain to um, a couple friends, probably a couple months ago about like therapy and how it, how it is helpful, but how going through multiple therapists to find that one <laughs> Is it's almost like finding that perfect pair of jeans that fits your body, <laughs> yes. or like that, or like the perfect bra. That's what I was trying to explain to them, and that's what made them make the connection. Because otherwise, I couldn't get it through their head that it was like kind of magical chairs of therapy. Yeah. No, it's um, it's it's, and it can be so different. It can be so horrible. Like I had a couple like people that I like worked with when I would say work with like maybe like one or two sessions when I was younger and maybe I was like 15 or something and it turned me off for years because I felt like I, I felt attacked or I felt very judged and it's like if you're feeling judged in a therapist's office like forget it like you're never mm-hmm. going to be able to be vulnerable you're never going to be able to like talk about the things that you need to talk about and it's like it's worth you know it's not even worth the money at that point the other kind of connection that I was telling my friends was that sometimes finding the right therapist or counselor or psychologist or whatever medical professional for mental health somebody is seeking is it's almost like going through all of your ex-boyfriends or ex-girlfriends until you find like quote-unquote the one yeah it's that's also another kind of description I gave my friends for finding the right fit for therapists. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's like you do you have and you know, I looks like I'd say it's like with any person that you're working with, whether you know about mental health or your health in general, like, you have to go through to find like the right doctor for things. So one thing that popped up. um, So I do have an 18 month old toddler now. And if you have a if you have anxiety, you have depression, like before you get pregnant, you're at risk for like postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety and things like that. Um, because I was going to a good therapist beforehand, like I kind of, I kind of knew, like I wanted to be prepared. Um, so maybe like after you give birth, for those of you who don't have kids, you have one six week follow-up appointment where you talk to your OBGYN, like your, your doctor. And they like ask you this checklist that like, are you experiencing like, you know, like, do you want to hurt yourself or you want to hurt the baby? Like very extreme questions. Um, and like for, and you're like sleep deprived because you have a newborn and you're like barely functioning. And so for most of us, we're like, yeah, no, no, that's not us. But then there's a category called like baby blues, which is a lot, what a lot of moms have. And I was experiencing that where you do feel like a little every, you're so worried about, are they getting enough sleep? You're so worried about, are they drinking enough milk? And like all these things that I like to me, like little red flags went off. And so like I went back to talk to my therapist, like sooner than I probably would have, because 
obviously, like I said, newborn life and sleep, sleep deprivation and all those things. Um, And it's hard when you fall, I think, in that in-between category, because even with my anxiety, my therapist was like, well, you don't technically have like general, like GAD, which is like generalized anxiety disorder, which is like for the insurance. She's like, but I'm putting it on there so we can build your insurance properly. And like, there's so many of these like gray areas, I think, with mental health that if you aren't well-versed and you don't know, it's so easy to like fall through the cracks, you know? I think there's, at least up here in Ontario and Canada, I can't really speak to the States, but maybe you can. But I feel like there's almost a lot of, I guess like system flaws or just cracks in the system, as you said, where people that are actually seeking support there's so many loopholes they have to jump through to be able to get that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like the thing, like she was like, well, you don't have GAD. We're putting that on there. So you can like, so you like your insurance will pay for pardons or even like. And how many therapists would actually do that? You know, like. Yeah. It's, and it's like, you know, she's like, it's sad. She's like, it sucks that we have to like play this game, but she's like, I want, you know, like to help you. And that's the other thing too, like with price, right? Like it's at least here in the States, like if you, if you don't find a, um, a therapist that's in like your network can be very expensive or some people can't even find ones that are available in their network and they can't afford out of pocket. So like, there's all these like barriers I feel like for mental health, which like it's hard enough being in anxiety, depression, whatever. Um, and then you have the barrier of like, okay, now I want to get help and I can't even afford it. Like it's, it like breaks my heart. Um, and I feel fortunate that like, A, I have insurance and B, that I can afford out of pocket if I have to, like, you know, like to me, like, I know, like, like it's, it is a priority in my life and I will do what I have to, but it also like, I have the means, like, thankfully that I can afford it if I have to, you know. But there's also the other kind of system failure, in my opinion, where exactly what you're saying is if there's not insurance or the financial ability to do so, there is, at least again up here in Canada, there is some mental health services and Mm -hmm. agencies, I guess, that will provide free or kind of a sliding scale payment wise. But in order to do those, you know, it's like a 12 month, 18 month wait list because you can't really prioritize somebody who's when they're all struggling financially to be able to get the support. Right. So I feel like that's another big barrier too, even though, even though I think in theory, they're trying to limit that barrier and saying, you know, if you're low income or whatever the case is, we still offer you low cost services, but then there's the barrier of trying to actually get those services. <laughs> totally. And it's like, whatever, you know, like I said, you know, and it's hard when you're in the middle, right? You're like, I don't technically qualify for this, but I, it's, it's still a struggle for me to pay for, like to, you know, like whatever, like if you're the in-between, it's always a struggle. Um, and like I said, like therapy helps and it did, but honestly, um, I added CBD into my, like, I'd say like mental health regimen on conjunction with my therapy. And that was like the huge, like, like key on like, like fitting in the lock of like opening me up to getting back to normal. I feel like in the last year and a half, which is something I hadn't explored. I haven't really ever explored, but I, um, I had a friend who was, uh, who was using it and she was like repping for a company. And actually we first got CBD in our house because my husband, um, was struggling with sleep. And then, um, I saw like such an improvement. I started repping for the company and then I was 
feeling intense anxiety. And my friend was like, you should just like see if you can take it. And so I was so nervous because I was nursing. And so again, anxiety, anxiety person, nursing mom. And if you are a first time mom who nurses, you know, the struggle and the stress, um, you're constantly worried or the baby drinking enough. And then everything you ingest could potentially go into your breast milk going into um, giving to your child. And I found out I had a autoimmune disorder about seven months postpartum, which then sent my anxiety a little more skyrocketing. So at that point, she's like, just try it. Ask your doctor if you can take CBD. And so I showed, I asked my, um, my thyroid doctor, I was like, Hey, can I take this? He's like, yeah, like so far, like, you know, there's been no studies. I asked my pediatrician, is it okay if I take this for like, you know, my mental health? And she's like, yeah, let me look at the ingredients list. She looked at it. She's like, yeah, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. And so thankfully I got like a thumbs up from like medical professionals. So I was able to add it in because it really was like a game changer to help me kind of get my, get things like I would say back to like an even keel. Like, do I still deal with anxiety? Totally. And like anxiousness, but I can handle like so much better than I was previously. So I've been hearing that people use CBD way more often. And I love that it actually works for people, but can we kind of debunk some of the myths that people have about it? Because I feel like there's, I guess with everything mental health wise, (laughs) there's always kind of a stereotype or a stigma about it so can we kind of work through some of those because sure I personally am not super familiar with CBD but I have I I know some of the areas or kind of disorders that people have used it and it's beneficial but maybe for those that are listening that yeah see it in a different light (laughs) sure so first off um at least in I know Canada and United States have different we have different rules and regulations about CBD and like where it has to come from and like the components. But first off, if you're in the United States, um, there was a farm bill passed in 2018, which meant if somebody is buying CBD off a shelf anywhere from any company, it can have no more than 0.3% THC. And THC is the kind of like, if you think of like the myth of like CBD, it's like weed, right? It's going to get you high. Um, it's not CBD. It's the THC component and the amount that's allowed in a CBD product in the United States is so low. That's like not possible. And I think Canada's laws are even more strict. I think it's like 0.1%. It's like such a small amount in comparison. Wow. Yeah. So if you were to go to a dispensary, so let's say like, if you go, like you had like, um, in certain places in the States, you have a medical marijuana license, you go in, you want to buy an edible, the percentage of THC in there is going to be anywhere from 10 to 15% versus 0.3 or 0.1. So that I would say is like the biggest myth that I am constantly, um, debunking for people to help them understand. <laughs> so I guess kind of to follow up on that, then if the THC is so minimal that there isn't really that experience of being high Mm -hmm. as people think it is is it kind of safe to use anytime anywhere type of thing totally so it's like it's so you would put it this way we say cbd is psychoactive meaning it can boost your mood so it makes you feel better right um but it's non-intoxicating so technically like i could you could take a cbd you could eat a a gummy you could take some oil and go drive your car. Like it's non-intoxicating. Um, so it's safe for like everyday use. You incorporate it into your daily regimen. People like so many moms take it. So like they don't snap at their kids. And when you say that you kind of have, have a mental health regimen, what does that look like? So for me, um, let's see. So every day, um, after I, 
when my daughter wakes me up, um, I take my, take my thyroid medication in the morning. Cause I have an autoimmune. Um, I, I make sure I get my daughter breakfast and then I make sure now that I get a shower in every day. I am eating something like, so I'm eating like food that's like going to actually give me nutrients and things because, um, as as a mom, we're like running around and feeding our kids. And sometimes I'll blink and four hours have passed. And I'm like, I have not eaten anything. And you know, if I'm hungry and I'm just like not fueled well, I'm more like I'm more triggered, easily triggered to get like overwhelmed by things. Um, and then I am taking my CBD probably like an hour and a half or so in the beginning of my day. And then I am doing movement at some point. So for me, like I found like moving my body in some way, whether it's going for a walk whether it's just like literally getting out of the house, going running errands, like something I'm getting out of the house, I'm feeding myself <laughs> and showering, which I know for some people showering may not seem like a big deal, but to me, it's like huge getting in like a feeling, feeling a sh- like clean after a shower. <laughs> so big. I think there's some type of like statement or quote or something that when you feel good or when you look good you feel good or when you feel good you look good or something like that absolutely it's like something like um there'll be days where I will like legit like put on makeup and like but like while you're hanging out with like like a toddler then like because it makes me feel good and it's like sometimes like you said like when you feel like like when I work out and when I feel good I just like I can conquer the day and things that might overwhelm me don't anymore because I just I don't know, like it's like you're feeding your soul in a way or something. <laughs> Do you kind of follow the this is kind of an Instagram thing, so I don't know how many people actually do it, I guess, but I've been seeing a lot of people on mental health pages or programs, I guess, where they have a morning routine and a night routine. Do you kind of follow that or is it just the day takes you where it is, but you make sure you get these four or five things in. Yeah. So I kind I, I say I'm more of a night routine than a date, like a morning routine, I guess you would say. Um, I'm hoping as my daughter gets older, I will have like an established like morning routine. Um, Cause I definitely am like, I love working out in the morning and like, I just you know, shower and like get on with my day, which I'm not like, I just cannot do that consistently because my daughter still wakes up at like, maybe it's 6am today, maybe it's 645. And like, if I was planning to do a 6am workout, that gets like shot to shit. <laughs> like she's up at six. Um, but so yeah, it's more, I would say a checklist throughout, like I said, throughout the day, but then my nighttime routine is set. Cause like girl is in bed by eight o'clock. So like eight to like 11 is like my time. <laughs> and so I make sure that I, like I said, like I get to do wind down activities, like whatever, like watching a show with my husband, um, never even like scrolling social if I feel like it for a little bit. Um, and then I would say like, you know, like washing my face, like CBD, all that kind of stuff. Um, get ready for bed. So you take the CBD twice a day. I take it three, three times technically. Um, so I take an oil, which I split up my, my dosage or my amount in the morning and night, because basically why CBD even freaking works is because in our bodies, we have something called the endocannabinoid system. It's a system that's there that helps to regulate a bunch of our other systems to kind of keep us at an even keel. So for example, it works like with the nervous system. Like if you're depleted in one area, it tries to bring you back to normal. It works with like 
um, for musculature, for like pain, for immune. So like it had, it, its job is to kind of keep all our systems in check. So if you're somebody like me, like my mood, I want to keep CBD kind of flowing through and activating that system to kind of keep me feel better because I have like more like a, like a chronic issue, like ongoing anxiety. If I was somebody who maybe was just want to take CBD for like, I have a pain or an injury. I might not need to do that. I might just take it once a day. Um, but for me, I want it like a constant flow in my body. <laughs> and I guess another myth per se, or kind of a stereotype about CBD that I've heard a lot is that people can tend to be addicted to it. Is that, is there any truth to that at all? I've, I've never found any body of evidence that supports that um, because it's non-habit forming. So I guess I would be, I don't know, like I've, I've heard the opposite, actually, that it helps people. There's been like studies that have come out that people who take CBD helps them with addiction. Um, a lot of people take it and it helps them not have to drink as much anymore. So like people who are on like um, trying to be sober curious and things like that, it's helpful. And it's not that it replaces it. Like if you're drinking alcohol or you're taking a substance because you want to like escape reality, it's not making you escape reality. It's just it helps you feel less needing that that crutch. I think at least that's for me. Like I personally haven't drank alcohol in like over two years now. Um, and it was almost accidental. And it was, I first stopped drinking because I was trying to get pregnant. We we're going through like in vitro fertilization. So IVF. Um, so I wasn't drinking for that. Then I got pregnant. Then I was nursing. And then all of a sudden I was like, huh, I haven't drank in like 14 months and I don't miss it actually. So let me just keep on keeping on without like taking it like without drinking and I was like I just feel so much better in my own skin without needing that crutch I just don't miss it and so that would be it's actually helped I guess you could say with like quote-unquote like addiction and things like that interesting I know that there's I mean I guess there's evidence if that's the right word that addiction can kind of be for anything that kind of fills the void for people um, so I wasn't sure if that would yeah. be kind of classified as another one. I think if you are taking, um, so again, if you're taking CBD, which has like, again, that like trace tiny amounts of THC, yes. Like you are in the category, I'd say it would be non-habit forming. If you're somebody who's taking, going to a dispensary and getting very like higher amounts of THC. So if you're getting a product that let's say it has like, um, 10 milligrams of THC in it or something high, like that's going to cause you to have a buzzy kind of feeling, then I would say, yeah, like it, it could be filling the void at that point. Um, and I think you always have to be careful anytime you're, everybody's body meta like metabolizes things differently and, and all that. So if you're going down the THC road, like that's something you'd always want to talk to like, if you're in therapy and things like that about, because again, anything that's altering your mind, I think you're right. It's just, you have to be careful, you know? Is there kind of like guidelines on what CBD to take and when for, for anxiety versus other specific disorders? Or is it just kind of the person finding their own groove with what works for them? Um, so when you're finding a CBD company or a product, like there's a few guidelines I like always look for. Um, Number one, you want to make sure that the company does third-party testing. So um, whatever product it is, you want to make sure on each, usually there's a bottle, there'll be something, a little barcode that'll say like certificate of analysis. And what that means is they actually do 
third-party testing on the product before it lands in the bottle. And why that matters is because hemp, which is what CBD comes from, is a scavenger plant. It will literally suck up whatever is like in the environment. So if there's pesticides around, there's lead, whatever, it will take that into like into the plant. And then we extract it to put it in the bottle. It could end up in your body. You don't want that. Um, so you, you want to make sure you have that testing. In addition to that, at least in the United States, it's not fully regulated yet. So somebody could have a bottle and slap a label and say, this is CBD. But in reality, it may have other things in there. So it will do, when you have that test result, it'll say it has this much CBD, this much THC or no THC. It'll have, and it gives you a big printout. So like you can be confident that what you're taking is going to be like legit. Um, and the other thing guideline, I would say you always want to start low and slow. So no matter what you're taking or how you're taking it, whether you're eating it, as like I said, like there's chocolates, there's gummies, there's oil, you're ingesting with an oil. There's also topicals um, where you just like, for example, maybe if you have like an injury, you just want to rub like a cream or a balm on your knees or your back or something like that. You just, your body will, everybody's body will react differently. Somebody might just need 0.25 milliliters. Somebody might need one. So you just kind of want to build it up and then you might end up needing less than you think. Um, and you have to be consistent. So it does have to build up in your body a little bit. Um, so if you take it and you're like, I took it today, I don't feel anything. Um, try it for a week. And then after a week, you still don't feel anything. Okay. Time to reevaluate and see what's going on. Interesting. And is there, aside from dispensary, but is there, I guess, safe, smaller companies that CBD is offered where it's not just the dispensary? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's a ton in the United States. I actually rep for a company that does sell, um, sell CBD. They're local to where I am. Um, but there are tons of them. You type in probably um, CBD and then like your town. You might you might find um, a place you could buy them. A lot of, also a lot of like, I feel like local shops are trying to carry them wholesale, especially in the United States. Like I said, it's been much more widespread. Um, and the company I rep or I work with, um, you can order online. It ships anywhere in the United States. And they also like pop up. There's different like storefronts you can go to and actually talk to somebody in person. And you can actually see, um, you can actually like see the products at hand and talk to somebody, figure out which is like right for you. Interesting. Maybe I just haven't looked into it enough or it's some other reason, but at least in Canada, I don't see CBD with minimal THC offered gotcha. anywhere that, that I've noticed. It and may, I, yeah, it may be. And I'd say no Canada has very strict rules um, and guidelines and laws when it comes to selling CBD. So it is possible that maybe it is um, just in dispensaries for you, you guys, but I would do a quick search because you should be able to, I see a lot of like um, health stores and things like that. Like we see it like popping up, but here in the United States, like we have, there's so many now it's like, you go to the gas and go to a gas station. You could find it. Not that I recommend buying CBD at a gas station, but it literally is everywhere. I'm just looking up the CBD right now in Canada. Yeah. And it says, says that it's legalized only if it is derived from hemp plants yep. with a THC content of 0.3% or less. Oh, that's the same as us then. That's good. Interesting. I, I might actually look into this for myself. I'm curious. 
yeah um i know some i have a friend who lives in canada and she's like i wish i could like try like the products that you wrote for i was like well I'm, like send me like their you know their website and like i'm like i'll let you know she's like yeah like somebody got this for me and so there are companies that exist i think and she sent me something and i was like yes this looks good i don't remember the top of my head what the name of the company was but you guys um are you're, you're there too and I, I think it's just it can be such a game changer for so many people that i just um, I keep talking about it, um, whether again, you're, you have issues with sleep, um, anxiety, like pain issues. So people have like chronic pain, like things like sciatica, like all that kind of stuff. There's studies coming out all the time. It's just, it keeps, keeps um, making things better for people, which always like warms my heart when I hear that. <laughs> That's amazing. And have you found any other kind of avenues or strategies or tips that have worked for you in adulthood aside from CBD? Or maybe partnered with CBD? Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, for like for anxiety, I found as an adult movement is huge. So like for me, exercise, again, exercise could be as small as, like I said, going for a walk, just getting outside. I find also sometimes like being like right now, I'm at home with my daughter, like the majority of the time I only work part time. So I think it can be very isolating. So being around other people for me is like socializing is very helpful. So if you can't, be around people like in person, at least like talking to like other friends who are in similar boats as you, um, even if not, even if it's not friends who get anxious, but just like having camaraderie with other topics. So for me, it's like other moms, it could be like, whatever, if you're like a runner or whatever you do, but just finding your people and um, whoever they are. So you have like subtype of like support system, I think. That's amazing. And I guess in speaking about the CBD oil, is there a way that myself and listeners can find you and find kind of the company that you rep for and work with? Absolutely. Um, on Instagram, I'm Brittany underscore a underscore West. And my name is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y because there are 10,000 ways to spell my name. <laughs> yes, there is. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for being a guest and sharing your wisdom around what works for you and may work for others for anxiety. I know anxiety is such a very common disorder. Like there's still a lot of unknowns about it, if that makes sense. Totally. And I think everyone just to remember, like everybody's experience with anxiety is going to be completely different. So just because for you, maybe your anxiety pops up with anger, like, and for me, it's crying. That doesn't mean your way is wrong or my way is wrong. And so just, you know, keep finding like, um, with avid, like keep trying different tools because everyone's going to have something different work for them. And, you know, if you can find a therapist that will like, you know, like we said, find the one that's like your favorite pair of jeans that fits just right. <laughs> or that bra. Or that bra. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you again so much, Brittany. And I look forward to following your journey with anxiety and motherhood and CBD and all the things over on Instagram. And I am hoping that we can stay connected. Absolutely. I would love that. Amazing. And for the listeners and to you, Brittany, I'm sending you lots of love and lots of light.